0: It's so funny to hear them use language like they're trying to protect the Russian people. It's like you're you're criminals, man. You're criminals that extort millions of dollars from large companies using incredibly nefarious means. Hi, and welcome to Backup Central's Restored All Podcast. I'm your host, W. Curtis Preston, a.k.a. Mr. Backup, and I have with me my beard trimming consultant, Persona Maliandi. How's it going, Persona?
1: I'm good. I do have to say I'm a little disappointed because I see less air on your face than the other day.
0: <laughs> than the last time
1: you saw me. And it brings a little tear to my eye. The tear actually just flows right down through the hair and then it just makes its way down (laughs) all the way.
0: I have a a beard trimmer, right? That uh, historically what I've mainly done uh, as I've, I I just use it to avoid shaving. I just, you know, I take, I take all the blade guards off and I just trim it down next to nothing. And that, that I do that in lieu of shaving and then I, I've been experimenting. I, I don't know how long I wanted the beard to be. I didn't want it to be obviously like yours.
1: Why not, Curtis? Just do it. It's <laughs> <That's> not <laughs> happening. But
0: I decided to try to trim it a little bit. And then I was like, oh, I'll try this particular. You know, there's a bunch of different level of, yeah. of the of the blade guards. And I put I put the first one on there and uh, I got this. And, you know, once I'd done that initial swipe, I was like, oh, that's a little more than I had intended I guess I'm doing yeah. the
1: rest of my face. <laughs> that's one of the times that I went clean shaven in the last 20 years was because, yeah, just like you, I had intended to trim, not shave. And <laughs> the beard guard decided to do something else because I had one of those beard guards that have a little twist on to give you the different oh. lengths. Yeah. The yeah, trimmers. That's what I have. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So it decided to twist on its own while I was trimming.
0: Yeah. yeah I was talking to your good friend, Stephen. And Mm -hmm. he mentioned, he goes, he's got to wear a ponytail. Like he's got to wear, he's got to wear a beard tail. Like
1: he's (laughs) got, he needs a scrunchie for his beard. But like you said earlier, right? The beard, it curls back up on its own. You can't really tell.
0: (laughs) I could tell. So I like, yeah. Interesting. I'm using conditioner and beard wax or something, some sort of cream. I recommend beard oil. Yeah, I'm trying this other thing. We'll see it. We'll see how this it's it is what it is. But we'll see. It's a process. The good news, you know, is that it keeps coming back. It keeps growing. Whether you it's like funny. it or not. I'm at that age that I get hair places that I didn't have it before and I'm losing hair where I used to have it, but apparently my face will just continually grow all the <laughs> yeah. time. But you sent me this really good series of articles from the Krebs on security blog. Brian Krebs. He has this great blog. It's just Krebsonsecurity.com. And we, we've been talking about ransomware a lot lately. Everybody's been talking about ransomware a lot lately. And one of the things that really has caused ransomware to jump really to the fore is the concern about what's going on with Russia and Ukraine right now. And, Although there's a delay between when we record and when these get published, I highly doubt that the situation in the Ukraine is going to be resolved by then. So I I felt that this, this series of articles was a really good way to begin this discussion on and we're going to cover it in a little bit different way than we've covered it before. We're going to focus on one particular ransomware group, Group. the the Conti group, uh, because that's the group that he chose to cover in this series of articles for a couple of reasons. One is that they are Russian based and not the only Russian based, but he is claiming that they are the largest and most aggressive of the ransomware groups and i have no data to to contradict that do you
1: i do not either but i trust like i've been following krebs on security for a while i've also been following bleeping computer as well which also does a lot of security articles as well and yeah from what i can tell like conti revel right all of these are pretty notorious right. and there's one of those things where you cut the head off, you think it dies, it has not died. It just resurrects itself. Exactly. So I thought, because I was like, oh, Krebs, that name sounds familiar. And I went to look it up. I'm like, wasn't like one of the, oh, what is it? The C says for the white. His name was Krebs as well, because he was in the news, I think, last year or the year before, but oh, his name was Chris Krebs, not Brian interesting. Krebs. Interesting. And yeah. it was, I was okay. reading about how he got into, how Brian Krebs got into this. And I think I read an article somewhere, or maybe it was Wikipedia, that said someone deployed ransomware on his computer way back when, or encrypted things on his computer, and right. he basically got interested and just started following up, and that's how he now is focused on security.
0: So he's, he's kind of like me, like I, you know, the reason why I have this big career in backups is because I had a massive failed restore early in my career, and <laughs> I said that's not going to happen to me. Yeah. Yep. This article comes right out. This is right in the middle of the Ukrainian-Russian situation, and the article that was published very timely.
1: So what ended up happening was this ransomware group, Conti, they were infiltrated, supposedly by a Ukrainian hacker. We don't know who it was or what happened. And... They basically dumped all of their internal chat logs for the last, I think it was like 18 months. So something like 65,000 messages in Russian and they published it uh, out there. So a bunch of security researchers, other folks who wanted to know the inner workings of ransomware groups started deep diving and figuring out how do these groups operate? And it was interesting because you would see internal chat messages, how the groups were structured. And some of the politics or the challenges inside the group itself and the level of distrust, I would say, within the group and how they are structured. So Brian Krebs actually, I think, over like within a week of the dump happening or the hack happening, he was one of the first to go through, do a deep analysis, look at the inner workings of the ransomware group.
0: And there was some... A part of this article, the first article, helped to authenticate the logs because he mentioned that there were gaps in the logs and that those gaps corresponded with attacks against Conti by groups like the U.S. National Security Agency, the NSA. By the way, I'm old enough to remember when we never said the name of that agency. Do you remember that? (laughs) I do. That was the agency that we didn't acknowledge existed.
1: Not, anymore. Yeah. Not anymore. changed.
0: Yeah. So they got hacked by the NSA where they actually shut down the TrickNet botnet, which is something that they use to yep. make things, which is interesting. They both told the you know, parts of the botnet to shut down, and they also infected their database, if you want to call it that, with millions <laughs> of bogus records, uh,
1: which was pretty cool. I would have loved to be a fly on the wall at the NSA during that time as they were going through this operation. Because right. it sounds like one of those like cat and mouse games, right? It's ooh, how do I stay one step ahead of the other folks?
0: Yeah, exactly. What I read was that Conti, while they're they're claiming to be apolitical and not necessarily in support of any one group, they are in support of them making money and them continuing Mm -hmm. to do business. And so they see any attacks on Russia, cyber attacks specifically, any cyber attacks on Russia as an attack on themselves. And so it says, we officially announced that we will use our full capacity to deliver retaliatory measures in case the Western warmongers, that would be us, attempt to target critical infrastructure in Russia or any Russian-speaking region of the world. We do not ally with any government and we condemn the ongoing war. Interesting. Weirdest part of the whole message given that they're in Russia. However, since the West is known to wage its war primarily by targeting civilians, Mm -hmm. we will use our resources in order to strike back if the well-being and safety of peaceful citizens will be at stake. Blah, 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 blah. But what we're (laughs) seeing there is our most likely next step will be a cyber war against Russia. We've already done the sanctions. We've I, I'm not sure what more is left given that we've shut them off all the banks. We've, you know, now we're we're shutting down the oil sale, we're helping to arm the other people. And that I
1: think w- that some of these ransomware groups are worried that the fact that they've been left alone is at risk. They've had a that chance that, to operate however they oh, that their ability to operate independently without having a government constantly knocking at their door, it's under risk right now with everything that's going on. And so I think they're trying to do whatever they can to make sure they can still operate no matter what's going on.
0: Yeah, exactly. Because again, in the end, that's the only thing that matters to them. Uh, It's so funny to hear them use language like they're trying to protect the Russian people. you're, You're criminals, man. You're criminals that extort millions of dollars from large companies using incredibly nefarious means, you are slime of the earth, and yep. I don't know what to and say. And they're about
1: well that. connected. Like in the first article that Krebs wrote, I know there is the talk about how people were arrested and they were trying to figure out like how to get people out. I think there was one of the folks. What was her name? Um, Alawiti, Witty, I think. Around the Russian name? Yes, I am. (laughs) That failed, right?
0: Yeah, I don't have any better pronunciation than that.
1: Latvian woman is what they say. Yeah. Right. In the article. But they were trying to get her out of jail, and it looks like they had connections into the court system, into lawyers. So it looks like they had a lot of reach. Into other governments around the world as well, or other organizations in the world.
0: I think you might agree with me that the the second article, like of the series of articles, the second one was the really the one that really surprising. We, I, I don't, I don't know what prior to this article. I don't know what I envisioned the Conti ransomware group was.
1: I imagine like Mister Robot style. <laughs> okay. Yeah. We're like hackers. They just kind of get together. To, they just do their things and then go off. Did you envision an HR department? I did. Oh, my God, Curtis. What I read. So for our listeners, if you haven't read the articles, please go to Krebs on Security. And if anything else, just read part two of yeah. his blog post called part two, the office, where he yeah. breaks down the structure of Conti. And yeah, like Curtis said, they had an HR department which is bonkers.
0: And and they're saying that they have departments. Each department has their own distinct budgets, schedules, and leadership, just like a regular company. And they mentioned that uh, they gave some examples of departments. So they had coders, testers, administrators, reverse engineers, and pen testers, hackers. Coders are the ones writing the bad stuff. And then testers, mm-hmm. not only are they testing that the code does its job, but they also test it against the security tools that are going to try to stop them. So the code is not designed just to do its job, but to do its job undetected, which is, I guess I should have guessed that, but.
1: Yeah. And I think further in the article, it talks about how they're updating like every six hours their build because antivirus definitions get updated, ransomware mm-hmm. detection, all the rest of that. They figured out like what the schedule is out there for Microsoft pushing Defender patches, and they're like, "Oh, every six hours, we need to be up to date and making sure that we're undetectable for any new changes."
0: So yeah. it's almost like and a twenty
1: four seven organization, yeah. if you will.
0: And then they, they've got an IT department, right? They've got administrators mm-hmm. setting up, tearing down servers, other attack infrastructure. Then reverse engineers, this was an interesting one. People that can disassemble computer code, study it, find vulnerability. So these are the ones looking for those zero-day vulnerabilities, especially ones before they report it or whatever. If they can find a vulnerability before the rest of the world does, then they they have a real end.
1: Yep. And then then finally, pen testers. They're kind of the... People who are actually out there doing the job against corporate networks, trying to plant the ransomware. It's interesting because normally when you think about pen testers, you Mm -hmm. think about it working in a company to test the company's code to make sure there are no vulnerabilities. These penetration testers are really hackers trying to break into other people's networks. (laughs) Right. And
0: it's interesting. They are organized crime. And they have a specific team and, and they actually listed, they felt, what did he said somewhere in here? He mentioned 65 or something was the number that's on the top of my head somewhere that, that they had 62 people, 62 people. There we go. Yeah. 62 people, mostly low level malware coders and software testers. But that's, that is just a little bit crazy that they're that sophisticated. And what's the the point of us discussing this? It's because (laughs) you really need to take these people seriously. Oh, yeah.
1: They are running it like a business, right? They're not ill-prepared people who just got lucky and figured out how to bring things together. They are very well organized. They have systems in place. They are running this like a business, which is what we talked about before. We're like, yeah, these are businesses but now you're actually seeing how they're run, and it's scary. <laughs> right.
0: The and and they're, they are saying that Conti is a rebrand of is it Ryuk? Ry- Ryuk. Yeah. Again, with these weird names. And that a lot of people had suspected that for a long time, but they're now confirming it. And then there's and, and then this is another interesting part is that the entities within this company they all have. They all go by nicknames, right? Yep. It's all basically hacker names, and the, one of the most senior generals refer is referred to as Professor. And again, I'm looking at this thing again. They're talking about they they have a five day work week, but they have enough staff on hand to staff 24 by seven. They do payroll on the first and the fifteenth via Bitcoin. I bet they're not taking taxes out.
1: Nope. But it's surprising. <laughs> So they say in this article that employees are paid one to two thousand dollars a month, right? But if you're an organization bringing in one hundred eighty million dollars a year, if I was an employee, two people, yeah, that's not a like that's a lot of money, yeah.
0: There were some comments elsewhere in the article that said that they said like they were defending themselves. Some people say we're running a slave shop over here for those kind of wages, but there's an opportunity to make more. Yeah, And I think what they're saying is that if you're the guy that writes the code that does the thing, that does the new thing, you're going to get a nice big bonus.
1: But the other thing in the article it mentioned is you talked about how each of the departments had budgets. Right. They were pretty strict about the budgets. This is what you get. If you need it, you better figure out how to deal with it or figure out a way to bring in money. And each team Mm -hmm. was managing their own budget and figuring out where the money, like I spent money or I'm out of Bitcoins because I got four new servers and three VPN subscriptions. So each team, which is odd for an organization to have budgets like this, but I guess if you're running it as a business, it makes sense.
0: Yeah, that's, I wonder what their gross profit margin is.
1: <laughs> humongous, Curtis, humongous. Although I wonder, because even though they have all the bots that they're relying on, there's probably a good chunk of infrastructure that they have to deploy and run on their own, paying all the people, everything else, like for the technology stack infrastructure, bribing people to get access to certain things, all the rest of that. I think we can go on to the third article. Yeah. Which, yeah, so the weaponry one, and this is where I was like, oh, wow. So on, and I know the folks on listeners can't see this, but if you go to the website and you read his blog, his third blog, there's one, there's a chart on top 10 ransomware strains by revenue for 2021. And you see things like Darkseid, you see Revel,
0: Yeah, DarkSide is less than half of the revenue
1: of Conti. Yep. Yeah, you look at it. I think they were saying it's like $180 million last year. But like I was mentioning, with that sort of money, though, I don't think that they trusted anyone. In fact, in this article, in this one, it says that they were installing endpoint detection and response tools on every admin's computer to make sure that they were doing the right things and they knew everything that was going on.
0: Is that because they felt that some
1: people were being I think not necessarily leaks. I think it's just they wanted to make sure that the sensitive and invaluable. Brian talks about this as well in the article that employees handled the incredibly sensitive and invaluable data stolen from the companies that they didn't try to go sell it themselves in some other form. right And he actually calls out he yeah, he even calls out, but in a company run by Crooks, trust doesn't come easily. That's a good point. That's a good point.
0: Yeah. So what's interesting again here, another interesting thing is the degree to which they use tools that you and I might use for very different purposes. This is all from all these chats that were published. And there was this conversation between two managers about how much they needed to purchase Crunchbase Pro and Zoom Info because of the information that they're able to get in there and get from these tools (laughs) In order to to use that in order
1: to figure out the how much, yeah, how much to extort from them because they're like, hey, if they have the money, it totally makes sense. Which I don't know, Curtis, I've never thought about using those tools in that way. Yeah,
0: they they also purchased Cobalt Strike, which is a pen testing tool.
1: Yep. And the They, they purchased it through another company though. Right. So it was shady. Oh,
0: really? They didn't call up Cobalt Strike and say, hey, we're, you know, we're the Conti group and we want
1: to buy a license. Yep. So they paid half the cost to a legitimate company and then half of it went for the actual license cost.
0: Oh, I see. Gotcha.
1: Interesting. Right. Because, yeah, because Cobalt Strike is, I believe this is one of those tools that is awesome for detecting these sort of issues and all the rest, but it got into the wrong hands and it's used a lot in ransomware groups to deploy ransomware onto computers.
0: It would seem to me, this is just a thought, it would seem to me that if you're building something like Cobalt Strike, that there should be a fail safe in there. that says this tool is intended to be used for self pen testing. And is not to be used to test the security more Punk. than yeah. five, whatever. You know, it, do you think that's possible that I could that they could
1: have done that? But they didn't, and so now you, yeah. So now you have illegal licenses being used that a lot of ransomware gangs use to enter into companies. The other part that I read in this article is that i know you mentioned an hr department curtis but they would scour job hunting websites to search for potential hires
0: yeah well i mean i mean why not right yeah yeah of course they would just like everything else This, (laughs) this go ahead
1: no i was but that's weird what do you say so Conti finds your resume on a website. And they're like, Hi, we're the Conti group. Would you like to start hacking people and make 1000 <laughs> thousand and two thousand $2,000 a month? Like, I'm wondering, what is your sales pitch?
0: It, it could be, they're giving this in our currency. It could be a very different value. A to lot of money. A Russian. That's true. That's number one.
1: Number two. Um, they're probably not telling them what the actual job is.
0: They, they probably aren't. Right. Yeah. It's interesting because typically when you get, when you're an accomplice, you're committing a crime and you are compensated for that. But these guys, is it possible that they could be working there and not realize where they're working? That can't be possible. Your job is to hack companies.
1: Maybe they say we had a but yeah, a consulting contract or whatever to do this. Because companies hire other people all the time.
0: I don't think that really came out in in here. It it would seem like if that was the case, it would have come out in
1: here. That's true. It reminds me, I don't
0: don't know if you ever saw the TV show Alias.
1: I did. Not all of it, but Um, I did see some of it.
0: And you remember that for the first part of the show, Jennifer Garner's character thought she was working for the CIA when in reality she was working for this completely different organization that was actually the bad guys. And I wonder if there's something like that going on here that only like the high level people know. And everything's very compartmentalized. And if you tell your fiance, he gets killed in the shower, that was in the show. Anyway, that was in the pilot episode. I was like, boy, this show is going to be dark. So then there was basically this whole discussion between what it's like to negotiate with the Conti group. And there is this understanding that if a cyber insurance company gets involved and a cyber insurance company is paying, they have a number and they're not going past that number. And that, that sometimes that is part of the negotiation of, Hey, you're going to have 200 grand, but that's it because that's the budget of this policy. It's just really interesting.
1: But to get to that though. It looks like they have insider negotiators, almost right, or the negotiators are kind of sort. I don't. I don't know if it's kind of sort of working with the with the ransomware, or are they just groups, or are they just want it done.
0: There, there, you, you mentioned that there there was another part of the article that talked about that they claimed to have access to yeah. a journalist, as I make quotes in the air, because this is not an actual journalist, but a journalist that will use their position in order to pressure the company to pay the ransom. Not only are you going to lose your data, not only are you <laughs> going to, you're going to pay us one way or the other. If you don't pay us by this time frame, then this, this journalist will publish a story about you and it will make the matter worse. Because some people, I think some of these companies, they do this without being public about it.
1: Yeah, Conti's putting all the pressure they can to get a payday. It's a business.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: All right, I'm going to move on to the fourth one. So in addition to ransomware, it looks like some folks have interests in other areas. This article was about one of the top managers, codenamed Stern, who wanted to branch out into other areas, including crypto. To see Uh what they could do. And so he tried to learn as much as he can. He even held a writing competition, if you will, for $100,000 hackathons. About crypto and different ways for platforms. And what he ended up doing is... One of the things they did is they set up their own fake currency. I think it looks like it was involved in a cryptocurrency called Squid, which Curtis, based on your one of your favorite TV shows.
0: Oh, is it really? Based on the Squid, the Squid Game? Games.
1: Yeah, because it came out around the same time as Squid Game. It hasn't been confirmed it's the same one, but it looks like it is similar. And basically what they were going to do was pump up cryptocurrency and let it crash and burn. My my opinions
0: about cryptocurrency aren't getting any better. The fact that it enables this kind of thing And then they're just like, hey, we haven't screwed enough people doing our usual stuff. We're going to do the crypto.
1: Yeah. And so it went from one cent to $2,856 over a week.
0: By them basically trading it up.
1: Yep. Hmm. And then what they end up happening is a promoter of the digital token basically pulls in all the buyers and then stops everything and then runs off with the money. (laughs) So they ran off with something like close to $4 million.
0: So we, I, in the middle of this article, this is the fourth article. I noticed a a, a semi connection to us. And that is that they're using the Rust programming language to build (laughs) their next tool. And I found, I thought about our guests, Carol and Jake that were on here back Looks like a year and a half ago at this point, they came on and talked about the Rust programming language in their book. For that, that that's got to be disheartening for somebody that, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, this Rust programming language makes hacking real easily. The, yeah. So now I'm going to look at this next this thing about the denial of Discord. The fourth article, it, it's primarily about crypto crime, which isn't really up our alley, but it's yep. just, it's just yet another thing that the Conti group has done in order to make ill-gotten gains. And, you know, such as like, you know, you, you, mentioned, the, you mentioned the squid currency. <laughs> Did you
1: buy any Curtis by chance?
0: No. So far I've been crypto free. I'm just, I'm putting all of my mental efforts into building a time machine so I can just go back and tell myself to buy some Microsoft. <laughs> <laughs> but when to buy and more importantly, when to sell Apple, because there was a time when you could buy Apple for next to nothing.
1: Isn't it, wasn't that back to the future two or three? I don't remember where he gets all the baseball scores. He goes back in time or he goes forward in time, gets all the baseball scores and then takes it back and then becomes a bazillionaire.
0: I think that was the third. I, I do. I have this memory of him being this multi-billionaire and he did it yeah. by, by yeah. Time travel. Yeah. Just remember, as I often say, it doesn't matter when you invent a time machine. Just saying, so (laughs) I still got time. I always get a little depressed when I cover topics like this. A A little depressed and a little bit scared.
1: I think it's educational, right? Right. I think just shedding a light on how these organizations operate gives you a better understanding, and also, like you said, scares you a little bit more. But there are ways to recover and protect yourself from these events because these bad actors are always going to be out there. It's no different than any bad actors in the past.
0: Yeah. First, obviously you, you need a solid front end defense system and it, it, everything that I have from my, my cybersecurity friends says that step number one, is just being up to date on your patches. And that would stop 90% of ransomware attacks. Just yep. being up to date on your patches. I guest appeared on another podcast and we talked about the ransom, I'm sorry, the want to cry and how that it was the first one that sort of went mainstream and everybody heard about it and all of that sort of stuff. And it changed the way we saw ransomware. And I remember that that one, it, exploited an exploit that had been out for like a year that if all you had done was be even semi up to date, the patch had been available for like a year. And because people didn't patch it, that's why it did so well. So that's step number one. Please stop being lackadaisical on your cybersecurity patches. And I also would strongly advise shutting down things like RDP, Mm-hmm. Things like RDP and SSH. There are ways to remotely enable it and disable it when you need it. And so disable it when you don't need it. And also yep. do things like have it go through a VPN, have have SSH and RDP only work when it's coming from this VPN. Host. Yep. And exactly. And... And, and then secure that down like a son of a gun. Another thing, and I know I say it a lot, password managers, man. One day we're going to get something better than passwords, but as long as we're still relying on passwords, and boy, do I rely on a lot of passwords. I don't know how you get by without a password manager. Yep. Because what what do they tell us to do
1: from a, if you're, what are you supposed to do with
0: regards to your passwords?
1: Use uppercase, lowercase, numbers, symbols. Make sure it's more than 12 digits. Don't reuse the same password across multiple sites. Change it every 90 days.
0: Ding, ding, ding. That last one, not the 90 days one, but the, the last one about not using the same password everywhere. It limits yep. the blast radius. That way, if your Yahoo account is hacked... By the way, it's a funny little factoid, a Curtis factoid. <laughs> I went and searched through my Gmail for emails from Yahoo. And I had only been emailed f- from Yahoo, not to, I, I had a Yahoo email address mm-hmm. and I had only been emailed by Yahoo itself, like three different times in the last 10 years. All three of those times were when, was when they were compromised. <laughs> they, they've been compromised three different times. So that way, when your Yahoo account gets compromised. It doesn't compromise your bank account and, and so on. And the, and the only way you're going to do that in today's world where everything is a SaaS service and you have an
1: amazing memory. That's all, that's how you do it. Yeah. Have, I remember what, a
0: password manager. I remember that I had this, I had this, and, and by the way, there, there was also the battery horse stable thing mm-hmm. that that method, which is what's the name of that? The, the, the correct horse battery staple. If you search on that, you'll find this other way, which basically uses four totally unrelated names. That's easier to remember because they make the case that the system that we all came up with—it's really easy to make, really hard to remember, but yet really easily guessed passwords. Yep. So, that, so you can go that route, and there, and there's nothing wrong with that. nothing wrong with that route. But I think that the better way to do is a solid password manager and make every password that you can as long as you possibly can make it. Different servers, different services out there have different limits. They also say things like, oh, you can't use these special characters and you can't use weird things like that, to which I'm just like, because it makes it harder to use it with a password manager. I was
1: actually using one service where... The website accepted the password, but the mobile app did not. Oh, that's so frustrating. Yes.
0: Because I've I think I've pumped it up to 16 digits
1: wherever I can. Well, I'm at like 24 or 32, Curtis. Are you really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, why? It doesn't matter to me. I just copy and paste it. Yeah, I
0: should. I really should. And I think I was encountering enough problems with the 16 digits. Yeah. I don't know how many I would with the 24. But The, and we should publish, by the way, we should cyber shame, cyber shame companies that make it harder to use password managers that, that limit your passwords to 10 digits or, and limit the number of
1: no special characters allowed, no special characters.
0: And what's even what the worst is. And I I remember this when I've gone through one of my things where I'm like, I'm going to go change all my passwords. My like 400. SaaS services I have out there. I'm going to change all my passwords. One that w- it would say that password is not strong enough. When in reality, what it means is you didn't follow the rules that we gave yep.
1: you.
0: <laughs> right. But it won't tell you what the rules are.
1: Yep. Oh, that is so frustrating. It's so
0: frustrating. And then basically you find out that ampersand is not a valid yeah special character. And you're like, Grah! why didn't you tell me this? Yeah. It's bad enough that that they don't do that, but yeah. But anyway, I I really, and, and, and I want to, I want to, it's not necessarily plug one, one password manager because it's actually not the one that I'm currently using. I'm considering changing (laughs) password managers because I'm also one password is the most likely one, but there's two things that these other password managers provide that Dashlane does not. And one is native MFA. Hmm. so it's got a built-in authenticator app so that when you have a site that supports MFA it can just give you the MFA as part of your password which is amazing, amazing. and then the other and this is something that really came into play recently and that is password history
1: yep <laughs> by the way you should also throw out our usual disclaimer
0: yeah I, yeah I just I thanks for remembering that I had not done that a uh, persona and I work for different companies I work for druva. He works for Zoom. And we this is not a an <laughs> this is not a podcast of either company. Then the opinions that you hear are ours. And be sure to rate us at ratethispodcast.com/slash restore. And we'd love to have you on as a guest. And if you're interested in cybersecurity, ransomware, backup and recovery, disaster recovery, if you've got good stories, whether you look good in these stories or not, we've had some really <laughs> good folks that have come on with stories where they don't fare well and we're a friendly, we're a friendly audience. We're not going to. And it's
1: okay because others can learn from what you've gone through. So that's what we care about. If
0: you've, if you've listened to this podcast at all, you know that I have no problem saying when I screwed up. I mean, I even, I even mentioned the, you know, in this podcast, how that, that, that failed restore of mine, it was very early in my backup career. That's what changed how I do things. And that's what we do. We make mistakes so that we can learn how to not do that again. Yeah. So yeah, password manager, MFA, yep. what else? Uh, oh, uh, the, and the patches and all. Of, so you need all that stuff front end. Yep. And then what do we need to do on the back end, persona?
1: Pray, hope. <laughs> 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 no, we have to make sure that we have Backups, that we have a DR site if needed, that we have something off-site that is air gap to protect us, and that we've also been testing and verifying our backups to make sure that it is actually good to go with a playbook and someone who can actually run that playbook if everyone else gets hit by a bus.
0: Can I get an amen? Woohoo! Yeah
1: there were a couple of
0: important phrases in there, right? The the (laughs) offsite and the air gap, really important. You really need to understand, especially the Conti ransomware group, they're coming for your backups. They are specifically targeting backups. I'm not making this up. Just Google the story. There, There are stories out there about how the Conti ransomware group, among their many things, they are specifically targeting backups. They will exfiltrate your backups, then delete them, And so you need to think about that and you need to ask yourself if my backup server was compromised, could they directly access my backups? And if the answer is yes, you need to change that. Right. Right. Uh, You know, update the patches and get rid of this thing. Also, by the way, I think you should, your backup server should be on a different, uh, domain, different administrative domain, different username and password, not the same password that you use everywhere else. But if your backups appear as files, Regular files, whether they're SMB mount, NFS mount, or regular disk, it, 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 then those can be sucked out and deleted. Yep. So don't do that. Follow your backup <laughs> vendor's recommendations on how to protect from that. And then, yes, what you said about the testing—it's it, just like DR testing; it's just harder, right? Yep. Because the disaster is ongoing, because you're being
1: hacked as you're as you're trying to recover from this. Yep. <sighs> I think we're getting it's, more efficient though, with like ways to deal with this as we keep talking about <laughs> ransomware. It should be just sure, down to like three we'll points. Yeah. You need the
0: front end. Yep. You need to follow all those security best practices. <clears throat> Honestly, if you did nothing other than update your damn patches, <laughs> you'd be better off. And if you had a backup and that one of those got, co- at least one of the copies is offsite and air gap does not. It, and, and, and and I don't care what your backup vendor is telling you. If it's in a box on a, on-prem, a on that is not air-gapped. I'm sorry. And they can come on here and argue with me if they want, <laughs> because that box can be physically hacked and it can be remotely hacked. There would just, even a Linux box, yeah, Windows box worse. Yes, I think. But even a Linux box this week, there was another privilege escalation exploit that came out this week that allows mm. any user on a Linux system to modify any file on Ugh. said Linux system. Which Ouch. would include things like like editing the root password out of the Etsy password
1: file. Yeah, I was gonna say that sounds a little bad.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's just a couple of files that you need to change and you are, God. You are in there, right? Yeah. 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 All right. Hopefully we haven't depressed you too much. Woo. And thanks, persona for going down this no, sad thank you. And...
1: no. <laughs> I know it's sad. I thought it was fascinating. You found the article. Because I found it fascinating to see the inner workings of a ransomware group.
0: Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. We barely touched the surface. If you found this interesting at all, then please go check out the Krebs on Security blog. And uh, it's actually an article. It's actually, he's actually a journalist. He's a very good writer. And the, the articles are long. So <laughs> we barely scratched the surface. And and anyway, and we wish you all the best out there. Keep safe. This Russia thing is not over yet. And there's a real worry. And I think it's a valid worry that folks like the Conti ransomware group will, you know, make a cyber war. Yeah, escalate things against the U.S. And remember to subscribe so that you can restore it all.